0: We lay my love and I beneath the weeping willow, but now alone I lie and weep beside the tree, singing, O Willow Whaley, by the tree that weeps with me, singing, O Willow Whaley, till my lover returns to me. When from the top floor window a face emerges, his radiant smile smirking down at me, we lay my love and I beneath the weeping willow, a broken heart I have, O Willow, they will die, O Willow, they will die. This is it records. Welcome back all you creatures of the night. It is I, one of your hosts of this show, Matt Johnson. Thanks for joining us. And my dearest friends of all are here as well. Peter Hansen and Lindsay Clark. Mhm.
1: Dearest friends you say? <laughs> oh, you here we, we
0: go. You don't you say know. hello? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't come to my uh, birthday?
0: The invitation must have got lost in the mail, I apologize
2: Yeah, yeah we're real chums
0: <laughs> your dearest, dearest friends <laughs> <laughs> We're all hosts of this show together
1: Compared to who? Your cat?
0: <laughs> yeah, well she, she's way up there, guys So, I'm, I'm sorry it's, it's hard to beat her Naturally mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's fair but I'm allergic to cats, so I got. Are you? I got things to say about cats. Yeah. I am very allergic to
0: cats. I feel like that's fairly common. Like a lot of my friends are also allergic to cats.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I was allergic to dogs, but I think like getting a dog just i like, got over it, got through it.
0: Interesting. You overcame yeah. a bodily reaction to yeah. something just by just by forcing so. yourself to interact.
2: Constant exposure.
0: Yeah. That's quite an achievement
1: It's just like Oh Your body is Pure misery right now well, let's, let's Let's get a little better here
2: <laughs> Well everything works <clears throat> out for you At least where dogs are concerned
0: mm-hmm.
1: Or I'm just like Literally mm-hmm. sick all the time And don't even know it anymore oh, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> You've Either just, just you've become accustomed
0: to... <laughs> Yeah <sighs>
1: Like I'm just like violently ill Without even realizing it mm-hmm. Oh wow
0: Well, I hope, I hope it's the other one I hope it's the former I guess <laughs> I hope he's overcame it <laughs> And you're not in misery every day <laughs> But speaking of misery This is a horror podcast And we talk about all the things That keep you <laughs> up in the night uh, so This week on the podcast We did uh, the 1961 film The Innocents Directed by Jack Clayton
1: The children do
2: not live with you? No, they are at my country estate in Bly. A rather large, rather lonely place.
1: Have they had a governess before?
2: Unfortunately. Not that there was anything wrong with Miss Jessel. She was an excellent governess and a most respectable woman.
1: I'm not certain that I understand you, sir. She died. We've all been waiting and waiting for you to come. Oh, we have been excited. So have I. I've been very excited indeed. I never imagined. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right, miss. It's always happening.
2: And what an enchanting child she is. She does like to wander, to go off by herself. We're always hunting her. Oh, yes. I heard you. Just now, as I was coming through the garden. I heard you call her name. Oh, not me, miss. Perhaps it was Anna or Cook. Promise now, you won't go away. I expect to be here for a very long time. What was she like? Who, miss? The other governess, the one who died. Miss Giddens, Mm -hmm. where would the Lord take my soul to? To heaven. Are you certain? Mm, Yes, of course, because you're a very, very good girl. But I might not be. And if I weren't, wouldn't the Lord just leave me here to walk around? Isn't that what happens to some people? Is there anyone living here that I don't know about?
1: There, in the broad sunlight, I saw the other one. There are two of them. Abominations. How did Miss Jessel die? She put an end to herself. She was found in the lake. (laughs) What shall I say when his feet enter softly, leaving the marks of his grave on my
0: floor? A British film, and for those of you who don't know it, if you're not familiar, it is in the Criterion Collection, and it follows um, a woman who's a governess, and it's based on the Henry James story, The Turn of the Screw. Um, Her job as the governess is to look over two orphans in a Victorian home. And she begins to see what she believes are ghosts and suspects the children's bizarre behavior in the house as a result of possible supernatural powers possessing the children. That is the Innocence 1961.
1: How would you describe a governess? What is, what is that job title?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because when I first watched this, I thought like, oh, she's going to be a nanny sort of a character where was going to yeah. look after these kids. But they have that at the house when she goes there i think the governess is like a teacher i thought the governess uh was like a homeschool kind of teacher where she would look after them is that correct do you know what a governess is
1: i i was generally asking Yeah. You. no
0: idea <laughs> generally yeah you know it's the damnedest thing i looked this up um yes as a woman employed to teach children in a private household. So she's like a tutor or a homeschool teacher is what a governess would be. So she doesn't really look after them like a nanny or something. Like all that stuff was someone else. I'm just going to teach them, educate them.
2: Yeah. So Matt, I have never heard of this movie. Um, How did you know about it and what made you pick it for the podcast?
0: Yeah, um, this is actually my first time watching it. I had never seen it before. But we did the, the mini episode prior to this about ghost stories. And I have heard of this film. It's in, actually in the Criterion Collection. So that's what kind of drew me to it. And it was set to be like this ghost story, supernatural, like really atmospheric film. Um, and really stylized in that way. And I, I, I'm drawn to those. Um Those types of movies where it kind of builds the atmosphere, kind of like a Tale of Two Sisters, which is kind of a similar type of vibe where it builds an atmosphere. Are there ghosts there in the house with them? But it's not about the jump scares. It's just about you kind of, are you seeing things or not? And those ones always intrigue me. I've I've heard about this for a long time and I just had never seen it. So I wanted to do it on the podcast.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Plus Truman Capote is attached to this. So that's... Cool. I
2: did see that name in the credits, but I didn't read like what he did. He wrote most of it, right?
0: Yeah, as far as my research goes, first it's a novel by Henry James called *The Turn of the Screw*. Then it was adapted to the screenplay. Uh, I guess uh, sorry, the stage by William Archibald, so it was a play. William Archibald was attached to write the screenplay, but Jack Clayton said this screenplay is not that great. Brought in Truman Capote who they worked on a film together prior. i forget, forgetting the name of it. So Truman Capote came in and kind of added a lot of the psychological, uh, s- like, really subtle stuff in this film, the really suggestive stuff. Um, he had a lot mm-hmm. of that aspect because uh, Archibald was more in your face, I guess, with the material. Okay,
2: okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Good to know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's almost like I bet... Even though I don't know what his version was, Mm -hmm. Archibald, but I could imagine it, like, how you're explaining it, how it's more, like, 50s, like, sci-fi, because, like, I feel like those type of movies were so popular, and Truman Capote was, like, such a, like, the new age at the time, because, like, I feel like, even though this movie's old, it kind of feels kind of modern in a way of, like, how how much of a thriller it is, even though it is, like, slower than your stereotypical movie of today. Like, I feel like just the way it, like, builds up tension is kind of, like, more modern compared to the movies back then.
0: I agree. And, um... I'd mention one thing with that, is at that time, in Britain at least, Hammer films were pretty big. Uh, I'm not yeah. really sure if we've done one on the podcast, but... That's a very stylized type of... Hammer films are very stylized, and Clayton wanted to make a film that was a departure from that. He wanted to make it more stylized, more moody compared to the Hammer films, so that was kind of deliberate um, with his efforts, I think. And to his credit, as you said, it feels more modern in the way it was shot.
1: I mean, if they tried to be like Hammer, because like Hammer was so big, like it just would feel like a copycat, because like, it wasn't by them so you had to do something
2: else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Cuz they were so like Hammer was so influential on so many horror films and they remade so many classic universal movies too. It's just like mm-hmm. their impact was pretty pretty big I think then but like I think a lot of people know it now <clears throat> when looking back.
2: Mhm.
0: Um, yeah, one thing I was going to mention when you were talking about uh, it feels more modern, uh, but you didn't know what Archibald's version of like the screenplay was. He wrote the the play for the the book. His sure. version, from my research, was really grounded in the supernatural, and the ghosts were legitimate, and that's kind of how the novel was written. Whereas Clayton wanted to be ambiguous. Which we can talk about that now, like with the plot elements and stuff, but I feel like with the governess, you don't really know if the ghosts are there or if it's in her head. Yeah. Is that what you guys kind of took from it?
2: I'm 100%.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that
2: 100%. Which I think adds to the uh, creepiness and the, you know, dark gothic atmosphere.
1: That's not that beginning that, like, states off like how cre- that beginning is actually like so creepy to me like it's just like very soft like singing yeah it's a lot right? it's a lot. and it's just like a lullaby and it's oh my god it's so frightening to me
0: <laughs> yeah and it, it's called a willow whaley and the part of that crawl that I did was some of the lyrics from it and that was actually a hot button topic of like what they were gonna use as the score for a while and they landed on that and created it um, but I found interesting with that opening credits, which is, it was unnerving, I felt. But Clayton said he created it where it's basically Miss Giddens with a rosary in like candlelight. And it's just her hands really and kind of her face comes into it. But he said he wanted her to sing that lullaby in the dark where he wanted to make you feel like you were trusting his character. Um, and something uneasy was going on like you could trust her in this whatever atmosphere he was creating but also because it was like all dark and the shadows he wanted to make believe that you can't really trust her what everything that might be going on might be just in her head so like she's the person you're supposed to trust but she's an unreliable narrator essentially Mm.
1: yeah
2: i think that opening scene you know did a good job of establishing that um you know, I, I didn't think about it in so many words, but that's pretty much how I felt watching
0: it. Yeah. The,
1: the first time I watched this, I was actually with a group of friends. there's was, like, probably three or four of us. And we're all just like, what the fuck? Like, this is so fucking creepy. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, not many, like, horror movies start off that way. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. It was just, like, it was, like, very... Like, I, I think that's where I, like, was just mainly impressed that, like, like, not too often you find yourself, like, an older horror movie, like, I feel like people kind of, like, are either really harsh on it or they're, like, nostalgic over it. Mm -hmm. It's, like, usually one of those two. But then, like, when you, like, watch one for the first time that actually is generally creeping you out, then I'm like, damn, like, I give this movie fucking props. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, to its, it builds that atmosphere, but uh, the cinematographer I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he had worked with Clayton before, and they used CinemaScope for this film. Uh, if you're familiar, mm. uh, and Clayton was a kind of against it at first, but he embraced it. With they used a lot of like deep focus in this film, uh, which kind of play, it means this places the foreground, the background, and the middle ground all in focus. So it kind of creates a bigger bigger space in within the same environment. And he used the shadows well. I think he made that mansion, even though it was big, claustrophobic. And it made you feel kind of trapped within that mansion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Freddie Francis was the director of photography. Okay. Who worked on The Elephant Man. There we go. Yeah. Straight story, so two two David Lynch movies right there, mm-hmm. Glory and Cape Fear. Wow, with uh, uh, Scorsese. It's
0: a pretty good resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: not 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 too, not too
0: shabby. Yeah. And then spe- speaking <clears throat> of like the framing and the photography, I think one thing that I kind of missed when I was first going through it is. A lot of the characters are framed on the edge of shots, um, which kind of makes you feel that uneasiness that, like, something's kind of off on the other side of the frame, which I didn't – you kind of always felt that something was lurking and going back and doing some research is he did that purposely in that deep focus shot to make them on the corner and have this empty space basically kind of fill the screen to kind of make you feel some, yeah. something's out of balance the whole time, which I thought was an interesting, interesting.
2: Not something I picked. I up feel on. like
1: uh, Carpenter kind of took influence. Like I feel like even though it's not like he never states that innocence is like an influence, but I feel like he does that a lot with the original Halloween.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's a
1: which I never really thought about until like like right when you said it is like it made me like have that thought.
0: <laughs> it's an effective technique. I feel like you don't consciously think of it but when you're watching a shot like that it makes you kind of feel uneasy just because of the framing it's all about the shots
1: if you don't have shots you got nothing (laughs) do we want to
2: talk about the kids and characters and kind of more plot maybe
1: they're too british (laughs) we can start there
2: They're ridiculously polite, but you know, kind of, almost right away, that there's something up with uh, the younger sister. There's a boy boy. and a girl, and uh, the boy, Mm -hmm. Miles, is away at school for the time being, and then the younger girl, Flora, like, I don't know. Like, they make it pretty obvious, like, that something weird is, like, going on with the kids. Yeah.
0: I feel like that was that became even more of a thing in the '60s with like Rosemary's Baby and The Omen. This was like kind of ahead of that. Well, also The Village of the Damned, which Miles was a part of. Yeah. Um, oh no! Like, really? Yeah, he
1: had. Ju- I think that had...
2: kid was a really good, like, popular actor, right? Yeah, Not that was... I would know. But
1: I didn't really think about like the kids. Like the first time I watched, it, I didn't really think about the kids acting weird. Because I just thought they were just, like, ridiculously polite and British. <laughs> that it's, like, that's just what I kept thinking about. And then, like, I was just thinking about, like, that it's all in her head, like, the whole time. Okay. Or, like... Mm-hmm. I was just, like... She just seems really paranoid, is really what I was just thinking.
0: Yeah. I got that, too. Um, it was all in her head. But then there's some shots that are, like... Uh, like cross dissolves or whatever, where you kind of see, well Quint, and I forget the other lady's name, were old groundskeepers that have passed. They were lovers, and
2: her name is Jessel, yeah. uh, Miss Jessel.
0: Miss Jessel, thank you. They were they were lovers on the grounds. They died. Miss Gideon's, who's the governess, believes that their ghosts are on the grounds and they're possibly possessing the children. Yes. And, and there are times where we see, as the audience, Quint, which is his name. And uh, Jessel's We kind of see an image Of a person so we're we're believing That it might be a ghost or is it just a projection Of her paranoia
1: Yeah Are you talking about the scenes Maybe jumping a little bit but like They see like a woman In a field is that what you're referring to That's one of
0: them yeah mm-hmm.
2: Yeah
1: Yeah. That part scared the fucking shit out of me and I don't know why like it's like not like It's not, like, a jump scare or anything like that. It's just
2: unnerving, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: There's no, like, sound. It's not a jump scare. There's no sound. It just kind of cuts to, like, a woman in black on the lake, like, over in the field a bit. And she's like, don't you see her? And she's, like, getting more panicked. So you, like, get panicked with her of this person just standing and staring at them. So it's just, yeah, it's unnerving.
1: It was very frightening. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, I mean, the kids, like increasingly kind of like say and do weird things or like you know kind of talk a little bit like adults would like kind of inappropriately especially the boy like the boy is like yeah, creepy beyond means and like that becomes like like I said that behavior increases as the film um, goes on and I really think um, I don't really know I guess what to think like were they possessed were they not like I mean I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it was all in her head, or do you think there's some uh, basis to that?
1: It's really hard to say because, like, his true purpose was to be ambiguous about it, but he kind of gives you like hints to both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's just like frustrating because it's like really like up to the viewer. Like in the end, like huge spoiler, I guess, at that point because like this movie doesn't give you. Like enough, like clues one way or to the other, mm-hmm. and like there's like facts for both, mm-hmm. and I think, like thinking about it now that there, there is something up with the kids, like it's not just like he's just like, you know, smart for his age or like advanced for his age or anything like that. There's like some there's something else going on, like, mm-hmm. and like just because something maybe in her head like it's it could be just like it's me- it's like the fact that she's dealing with this is also causing her to act that way so she just could just be like i don't know <laughs> that's like my take is it's like the fact that she is dealing with this is just like adding to her own mental illness or sure. whatever she has <clears throat> yeah and that's a
0: credit to clayton and the cinematographer for like Wanting to be ambiguous and like leading you both ways, that you're not really for certain which actually happened. I tend to lean towards it was in her head. Uh, there was some really weird behavior from Miles, especially. That, but yeah. like with the ending, spoiler alerts. It's just Miles and Miss Gideon's at the house, and she's basically saying, "Say his name," meaning Quint, because he's like on the verge almost of telling her that. That's who he is. He's Quint, but he doesn't, and the kid dies. I I don't know of what, but the kid passes away. Yeah. And and she's kind of left, and then she, doesn't she kiss him and say it's all yeah. okay? You're, yeah. You're free yeah. now, or whatever.
2: That happens twice in this movie, and I'm just like yes. um, a bit uncomfortable, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was I think. uh the times where it went too far the old times I guess
0: it was given an an X rating initially from the movie censors of of Britain when the film came out for that reason just for the kiss scene between Miss Gideon's and Miles just so you're clear Miles is a child Miss Gideon's is a a, a woman and they kiss on the mouth and so it is twice in this movie yeah and not like a peck, like it's meant to be kind of a romantic kiss. To, I think to make you believe it's Quint, right? That it's he's possessed yeah. by this older man.
1: But it's like it's not like a steamy kiss. Like think like
0: it goes on a little like too a long. You,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like you know. There's no Frenchman in this movie. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's just not a peck. It's not the. It's not the swinging seventies here. It's it's. It's the it's psychedelic sixties. Three Beatles. <laughs> Pre Beatles in America. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nonetheless, it I think it could have like probably been fine without it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I think that was more of a I guess more blatant version of the Freudianism in horror that happened a lot in the fifties and the sixties with like cat people we talked about. That was a okay. big thing that they wrote into into scripts. And uh, Capote is quoted as saying that's what he tried to do with this film, mainly with showcasing Miss Gideon's sexual repression during the time, which is a huge Freudian thing. Mm -hmm. It's like your sexual repressed urges and her paranoia that's kind of being projected as ghosts. And so that's what he was trying to do. So that's a more blatant version of it. But he was that's what he was attempting to do the whole time.
2: Well, I guess he succeeded
0: in that. Yeah, if you did, if he didn't get his subtext, <laughs> he had her kiss a child just, just, just to really bring it home.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, we, talking about you know, Freudianism in like horror in the fifties and sixties. I kind of wanted to talk just about the horror significance at large of this film. Um. It falls into that psychological horror ghost stories. Technically, um, not the haunted house. Those Freudian undertones in the subtext. Um, but to give context to people maybe who aren't familiar with that time period, I got a vibe that it was similar to, kind of Women in Black, or The Orphanage. Do you guys? Do you guys kind of get that similar modern movie vibe? That makes sense.
2: Yeah, I never finished the Woman in Black because I honestly like was really bored by the beginning. But um, mm-hmm. wasn't that like kind of a similar setting? Um, kind of like a old yeah. like house in the countryside of Britain or something like that, and you know things were yeah. Um, I'm gonna stop there because that's all I really know about that movie. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, from what I know, I would agree.
0: Yeah, you've nailed the setting. Like, it's in a Victorian home in Britain. The guy goes to this house because someone said to have passed, and he's like the... uh, He deals with wills, so he's just trying to make sure he has everything in order. And there's a woman in black there who kind of preys on children. Okay, Uh, right. And and he doesn't know if he's seen a ghost or not. Okay, okay.
2: Peter, what do you think?
1: Oh, I don't
0: know. Yeah, what the heck, I don't know. Well, in other than kind of horror significance, I said it was in the Criterion Collection, and there are several horror films in the Criterion Collection. Uh, I was going to pose to you guys: we have done a few films, either full-length episodes or mentioned them as like a blog post of the uh, some other Criterion horror films. Do you, can you guess any of them that we've done no, that are in the that we've talked we've either about? done a full-length episode on it or we've done like a blog on it so we've talked on YouTube, yeah let I, me I, I, google I'll up. give you the number actually um that I, I found I, I made a list one two three so there's five that we've so one two we've done full length episodes of four other Criterion horror films and there's been one blog about a Criterion horror
1: film am I allowed to look at the episodes or do I have to do it you, by
0: you can look at the episodes if you'd like
1: <laughs> I don't know what the restraints were. <laughs> I, I'll get. Um, I'm sure I mentioned Godzilla at some point, and I know God, the original Godzilla mm-hmm. has a Godzilla has a Criterion release, and I that's probably just mentioned alone in an episode. Mm-hmm. Is that one of them?
0: Uh, it it is not one that I have selected or picked out. Um, I I have four here that are. F- We've done full-length episodes on, and then one that was a blog,
1: blog post. Yeah. But I am right though that Godzilla is one of them that is really sure. I've at least mentioned Godzilla at least three I or four times. Say... <laughs> yeah, at least three or four times.
0: <laughs> fair, fair. I will <laughs> say as a hint, the four ones we've done as full-length episodes, uh, all all are all predate the 70s none of them leave the 60s i
1: i thought they would Mm -hmm. uh rosemary's baby yes one correct now you just you made it too easy for me now uh (laughs) Now i just gotta look at the episodes mm -hmm. oh man i will
0: say the blog post was yours and i don't think it was specifically to this movie but you used references like primarily to this movie only it's one of your first blog posts
1: Was it my only blog post? Because I feel like I haven't written more than one. It might have been that (laughs) only one.
0: David Cronenberg. Oh,
1: man. Oh. Did he... Which one is... Is it... Oh, is it Scanners? Uh Uh-uh.
0: No. I think you talked to...
1: That's that's Criterion, though.
0: I think you discussed... Yeah, it is. Uh, That's one of Cronenberg's. That's in the Criterion. But this one is... I think you, do- you talk about it because of the special practical effects. It's practical effects, and it was at a time.
1: Ton- oh God! What's, what's, what's his other one?
0: That one is Videodrome.
1: Oh, that's not the one uh-huh. I was thinking of. I was thinking of his other one. He has a lot on Criterion Collections. Yeah, he
0: does. Um, the others. If you are you still guessing, or do you want these?
1: It's the French one that I can't remember the name of.
0: Eyes without a face.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's, that's one. the one. Yep. <laughs> I'm actually not doing. i not doing as well as I thought. I thought I knew Criterion Collection better than I actually did. <laughs> the,
0: the last two. Only it, they were only Pete and Matt episodes, so they're pretty early. One was never released over the airwaves. It is still in the vault, and we've mentioned it.
1: Oh, Night of the Living Dead! Night of the
0: Living Dead is still in the vault somewhere, waiting to be released. And
1: that's a re- that's a recent release of Criterion Collection too. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Because I I actually not not doing so well.
0: <laughs> I think it was the first movie you destroyed, but it's uh I think it's Cat People.
1: That's Criterion Collection.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that. I destroyed that. movie?
0: I think it was your first one. I thought so.
1: That's not... No. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta go back to the books now.
0: Consult the Um, record.
1: Okay, you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember destroying... I thought the first one I destroyed was... The Killer Reunion.
0: No, I think that was after Cat People. Well, it could have still been your first one. It was... Yeah. uh, Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm
1: -hmm. I thought it was my first one I destroyed. It could have been. Because I'm usually pretty uh, easy on movies. Yeah,
0: You get on the benefit of the doubt. All right. Well, there's your Criterion Collection movies we've done, in case you were all <laughs> wanting to know. Um, see. But uh, I think before we kind of wrap up to Defender or Destroy, um, looking at Box Office, uh, do you guys have any guests, whether this was a success or a failure? Or how much it made.
2: This was <clears throat> an extreme success. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna say a failure. It was a success because I. It was okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the time,
0: I have to convert. Like
2: how successful.
0: See now you're now you're testing me. I got to do my conversion rates from pounds to dollars. Uh, hey
2: man, <laughs> you don't have to do it.
0: Oh, this is for the integrity of the podcast. Yeah. So
1: hey, and the pound was probably weaker than a dollar back then
0: so their budget like today dollars was like just over five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. was the budget for this film I... and it made 1.2 million so it doubled its budget whoa in mm-hmm. the time being
2: all right yeah i think uh yeah and... was it a critical success too i think it was right
0: yeah, I, I think I also remember reading, though, it was a critical success, but some people were um, annoyed with the departure from the book, uh, because the book okay. is is um, a ghost story, like 100% legitimate ghost. It's, it relies on supernatural elements, and this one's more ambiguous, and some of the critiques at the time were skeptical of that. But overall, they thought it was a great film.
1: People are always mad about that. Like, I just feel like if it's a good movie, then you, like, it's hard to translate book to movie every time, mm-hmm. and it's never going to be the same. And then, like, like a, another example I like to think of is, like, The Shining, like, how Stephen King himself hated Stanley Kubrick's version because it's different from the book. But, like, I feel like Stanley Kubrick is a very great director and did what he thought was needed to translate to film because you can't do the same thing yeah it's two different mediums
2: you know having some of your own ideas is uh a good way to keep it like so you're not just seeing the book on screen you know yeah
1: like some conversations are just gonna feel weird or awkward like or they're not gonna be like Oh, that's not how I envision the character to look. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, people have, you know.
0: Yeah, it's different for
1: everybody. These crazy mindsets over a book they love. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: And I. And that, that's a good example of Stephen King hating The Shining. And I, have you guys ever read the book? The actual Shining book?
1: No. No, I really want to, though.
0: I, I went and read it, and it is different from the movie quite a bit, but. And I had seen the movie several times. The movie, I believe, is far superior to the source material of the book. Like, it blows it out. It, just, it does change a lot of the plot, even. Uh, but I think it makes for a better horror film, the way what Stanley Kubrick did with it. A better horror story.
1: Doesn't it annoy you how, like, how he was just able to go to different genres so well? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he did a war film. He did a fucking science fiction film. He did a horror movie. Like, he just... A historical drama. Like, he's just like, I'm just going to do every fucking genre there is and be good at it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it takes a good director to really, like, find that nuance in, in film. And I, I was reading recently about the movie Us, which came out, Jordan Peele. People not comparing him to Kubrick, but kind of doing something different with the horror genre than what we've seen in a long time. And yeah. They, he, they said he did something with the horror genre like in this generation um, that it's a horror film it's in that genre but it doesn't feel like a horror film entirely and in the same way that The Godfather is a mafia movie that Coppola made or that 19, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is sci-fi like that's the genre they fall in but the, the movies transcend that genre they're a piece of their own
1: it's cause they like they know they're taking influence from other things that they like and just kind of like merge it all together and kind of create something new because like science fiction was so different probably up until kubrick i think kubrick made the current sci-fi what it is today is because of him and then star wars like kind of like popularized it and then continued what like kubrick kind of like started
0: yeah, I mean it's a good way of putting it. It kind of reshapes the genre or, or sees where else you can take it from taking elements from other places.
1: Because sci-fi before that, like
0: the the day of the earth apo- stood. Uh, apologize
1: for my yeah, mm-hmm. like my quick tangent here, but like or like even though I haven't seen it, but like I know Forbidden Planet. Like the guy from Naked Gun isn't it not Leslie Nielsen? Isn't he in that movie?
0: Uh, I'm not sure actually.
1: I thought okay. he was, and it's just like a robot, oh, you know, like mm-hmm. your stereotypical like robot that tries to kill the people. Like that's your sci-fi movie right there. Is just like the that kind of yeah. stuff.
0: It was very one-dimensional. Yeah. Yes. What uh, that? Do you guys have anything um, additional you thought about the film we'd like us to talk about before we defend or destroy the innocents? So. Mm. Okay. by the way the innocence if it's hard to hear me say that is spelled i-n-n-o-c-e-n-t-s like people are innocent not innocence like you have innocence i know that might i might be
2: good distinction
0: <laughs> like i'm so if you're googling it that's what it is and it's 1961 because there's like so many different versions of or so many different shows with this title called the innocence 1961 but uh, does anybody volunteer to go first?
1: I volunteer Lindsay to go first. <laughs> All right.
2: All right. Say no more. Um, I really like this movie. I think uh, it did a really good job of building suspense. Um, I think uh, overall it established a good pace um, for the story. Um. I think it had a lot of good elements of gothic horror, um, you know, with the setting and then with the use of the shadow and the light. Um, the kids are extremely creepy. I think that they did a really good job, you know, being child actors, especially um, acting, you know, possessed by, uh, by dead people. Um, I think this film, um, with its ambiguity, makes it very psychological, as uh, we kind of touched on before. I think it has aged well. Um, which is a big feat with it being uh, made in the early 60s. Um, and I think people today would still find it terrifying, um, even you know, without it relying on the CGI or the gore that we would normally see in that kind of film today. Um, overall, um, it's a different. I really liked it.
1: Well put. I mean, I'll echo
0: that. I mean, I can be pretty short. I I picked it. I've been wanting to see it heavily defend. It's a a stylized type of movie that I like. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the same style of Eyes Without a Face that we did as a French film. really on the same time period. Heavy use of shadows. It uses the camera really to tell the story and build that atmosphere instead of relying on gore, as Lindsay said. Lindsay hit a lot of the points that I was going to mention, so I agree with most of them. And it ages well. I think uh, people will still find terrifying moments in it. Um, just like we talked about the lady on the lake um, that we looked at. And that's all it was. So And yeah, I heavily defend The Innocence. It was a movie for the first time in a while that's like not brand new. That I kind of just wanted to buy the Criterion Collection version of it. Um, it, it made it. me kind of want to buy it. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is a movie that I obviously saw before. Since I mentioned it earlier, I also defend it. I own a Criterion collection, which is Mm. not cheap. Yeah, (laughs) they're like forty bucks, Mm -hmm. like normal price, but you gotta wait for those Barnes and Noble sale (laughs) (laughs) when they're fifty percent off, and then it's really worth it. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what else I can say that hasn't been said, but it's a well structured movie. It's got, like... It's ahead of its time. Um, like you said, the shadows are, make it cool, and it's, like... And I feel like it's not overly st- stylistic, like... Like, uh, kind of like a recent movie from that time with another ghost movie. Um, it was directed by Robert Wise, I think his name is. Um, he did The Day the Earth Stood Still, and then he did... What the fuck is it called? It's another ghost movie, like, literally... Came out this time. You know what I'm talking about, Matt? Uh. Yeah. And it's Early like, 60s? Yeah. It's oh, the tip of my tongue, too. Uh, and it's like, it's good. I like oh, it, but I almost the feel, like the shots. Yes, that's exactly what it is. For me, that movie is like too stylistic with like the camera shots. Like, it's like, it like almost, it took me like out of the movie because there was like, they're cool, don't get me wrong, but I'm just like, Okay, this is a this is a movie. <laughs> this is a movie right here with all the bells and whistles here. Yeah, like a really well-funded movie. But this, like, is a story, a ghost story, and you don't know like what's completely going on. Like, it's just like the focus is like the story, and then like you have great people working on just like the atmosphere.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have a unanimous defend from everyone. So check it out. Uh, the Innocents uh, highly comes highly recommended from us. If you want to watch it, you can. I watched it on YouTube. I believe it's still there. The full <coughs> the full movie is free on YouTube. You don't have to rent it or anything. So you can check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's on Prime um, or iTunes to rent it, but definitely it's free on YouTube. So check it out while it's there. Or
2: Inexable, uh, I'm gonna plug. Uh, Sorry, I was going to say, if you want Spanish subtitles, I found a website that has those as well. So if you're, you know, trying to learn another language, that might help. Yeah. Just saying. I don't know what the website was, and it's gone now, but it was in Spanish. You can cut that part out. It's not necessary. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted everyone to know that uh, my subtitles... No cuts. Everything is transparent. Oh, yeah, we had this talk. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. Please continue.
0: I will plug also, I don't know the name of it, but there is a new streaming service for Criterion Collection Films. So... That's right. Uh, if you like Netflix or something, this is the same kind of streaming service, put for a Criterion. So you could have an unlimited library of Criterion Films, and you can definitely watch it there. So you can check that out. But until then, get uh, at us on Twitter and Facebook or social media Let us know what you'd like us to talk about on recent episodes or check out our blogs and our website. Uh, We'll hear from you guys. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review that really helps people get the word out about us. But until next time, I am Matt Johnson, and I will remain in those shadows just like the ghost
1: leaves.